At first I thought we were on the Minecraft world, but instead we saw the replicator. Finally, an internal shot of something being replicated. Is it being replicated? Because I think they might have said synthesized. Synthesized, replicated, I don't know these words, the technology there, yeah. Uh, I just saw the X-Men intro. It's the X-Men intro? Remember the original X-Men? They no. did the whole, like, it was like zooming through DNA as it's being mutated. See, I feel like if something is being replicated, it's like it's being transported, right? Like it's being beamed in a piece at a time. And this was more like assembling little blocks with lightning. Yeah, or growing them. It looked kind of organic, too. An organically grown uniform. It's a little CGI heavy, but when they're doing a pure CGI scene, it's pretty gorgeous. They're paying for things. It is, and that was good. Actually, I, I freeze-framed on the last episode when she was making her uniform, and you can see, like, the parameters, which is kind of cool. Female, no rank. When she's done synthesizing it, the computer's like, done synthesizing uniform with no rank. Yeah, like, oh. the, the computer really jabbed her. Do you like the new computer voice? It sounds so familiar. Is it a known actress? You know, I don't know. I'm perfectly fine with it. I like the original computer voice, but, you know, we weren't going to have that forever. She's a science officer now, which occurred to me she's completely swapped positions now with her old tall alien friend. Mind blown. I did notice his uniform color in this episode for the first time. That it was gold? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's been rocking the gold uniform. Well, let's step through the plot a little bit. So uh, we find out that she's been commissioned and tall alien friend is not too happy about this. He was more interested no. in her leaving. No. They have a little scene in the turbo lift. He had a great line where he's like, I was nice because I thought you were leaving, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, Michael continues to get burned by literally everyone she talks to, including the computer. You know, I, I think I said in the beginning I wasn't sure if she could be a sympathetic character, but how terribly everyone's treating her has really won me over. So you can't help but to be on her side. Like, okay, it was a little mutiny, a little nerve pinch. Move on, people. Who hasn't been there? Who hasn't wanted to nerve pinch their boss? She comments on Saru's uh, threat flagellum? Yeah, uh, ganglia. Ganglia, sorry. Yeah. Yes, we finally got a technical term yes. for the weird, creepy things yes. that come out of his head. Um, and I guess this lends a little credence to you thought that he could still sense danger. I thought it was still a metaphor, but no. <laughs> No, it's literal. He can sense danger. And they actually make use of it. They do. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. it's like they brought Troy in and they're like, what do you sense? Oh, he is like Troy. I didn't he's make the, that connection. He's the new Troy. Empathic, but in a limited sense, not full on empathic. Skin tight jumpsuit incoming. <laughs> he's going to look good in that <laughs> deep V-neck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. First they go to the bridge. Oh, this is a good scene. And this is, this is, they've done this twice now. Next time on Discovery. And then they show some totally rocking stuff happening, like ship blowing up, fighting Klingons. We come onto the bridge and they are fighting Klingons. Yeah, and it was fun. It was um, it was kind of a classic Star Trek. Everyone was shouting the orders we're all used to in the battle scenes, but this seemed a little more hectic. This was, you know, pumping up the drama a tiny bit, but it actually, I, I like the captain after this scene. He, he's still mysterious. He's still drama queen, but at the same time, you can tell he's, at least knows how authority works and how leadership works. and He has good command presence. Yeah, <clears throat> presence. Yeah. Maybe not the best decisions, the way he drives people, mm -hmm. and people aren't so happy. But Maybe not least... always the best people skills. Yeah, but he's definitely pushing for <laughs> his command position and to get what he wants done. Yes, and what he wants to get done is to destroy some Klingons, uh, which they failed partially to do. They got destroyed, so I'd say that's a complete failure. But they didn't they blow up something first? Well, you get one in while you're dying. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I would call that a, a, a that's like a, a C 
plus battle simulation. <laughs> well, he wasn't happy. He no. ordered, you keep running these battle simulations. This is like classic <laughs> submarine warfare stuff here. <laughs> uh, and we get a little bit of uh, the character's name I've forgotten, but the helmsman on the Shenzo. Yeah, Lady Helmsman, mm-hmm. she um, She's lost. Back. Yeah, it looks like her part of her skull has got a, crushed, maybe? Has a bionic eye, I think. Oh, you think it's an eye replacement? I think they had to do a lot of reconstructive surgery. Yeah, yeah. Which is so, quite sad. Another person that has it in for Michael. Is this the scene where we learn the new engage word? Every captain has the word I, when they I want actually, the... I think I actually wrote something about that. So we're not there yet, but I'm going to cheat and run ahead because his word is go. How go. do you feel about go instead of make it so or engage? Or... I like engage. Did you um, notice the button said engage? He said go, and they pressed <laughs> an engage button. I missed that. that oh, a, yeah. That is a great... <laughs> That is a great detail. So right. What was Janeway's? See, that's what I was going to ask you. Oh, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's just not occurring to me, and I'm going to be so frustrated at the end of this. I feel like kind of a complete failure. I, f- I feel like it's do it. I mean, it's really close <laughs> to that. <laughs> I, so Basically. this is more of a Janeway kind of captain, I guess. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it feels very nitpicky, but I, go is not like the best. Yeah. The best go phrase, I think. It, it lacks personality. It's just really short. <laughs> I guess what they're going for is he's a no-nonsense, just-make-it-happen kind of right. person. And definitely playing it that way. Mm-hmm. I do not want to get on his wrong side. That makes sense. Because he goes storming off, and he says, Michael, you're with me. Right. And takes her down to his creepy creature lab. Yes, which she seems sort of unfazed by. Uh, I guess we get that it's not so much um, a creature lab as it's a uh, weapons study. He's studying deadly things. Yeah, uh, but he has he has a very broad range of what is a deadly thing, uh, from batlets to phasers to uh, Cardassian voles, apparently. Was it defensive also or mostly offensive? It was mostly weapons, it seemed like. But it, I think it was mostly offensive. Yeah. I was happy for this scene because I was worried last week that he would have this secret creature dungeon and that it would only be slowly reviewed to, revealed to Michael, but no third scene (laughs) here's the creature lab i need you to do some research on my new friend pet here which uh i cannot pronounce the name of this how do you say it a a pet yes the the, tardigrade thank you tardigrade it's a good word (laughs) i'm i'm honest uh what did they nickname it ripper ripper i'm i'm a little torn between uh tardy or ripper (laughs) tardy i guess it's already claimed by the cat Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I have to give a quick shout-out to a YouTube commenter who totally called it that this was a tardigrade. So oh. you got to give it to YouTube for being better at our job than we are. So congratulations. Well done. I even took a screenshot of it to try and figure out, you know, if they were going for a theme or something. I just kept thinking the, uh, the Critter from Doom 3. Yeah, that's what, because we always kept seeing the mouth shot and the yeah, eye and I maybe think, a couple limbs, but we didn't see the full body. Some people have better eyes than us. The the kind of not having eyes, but having just the big uh, forehead sort of helmet looking thing. Um, that's what reminded me of it. Now in this scene, we got to see full monitors of it with yeah. it, its, its whole body plus its skeleton. I, I, I guess, guess that is the skeleton next to it. And it's, yeah, what, yeah. six legs, it's beefy. Mm-hmm. In I mean, every scene, it's been aggressive. <laughs> it's a giant tardigrade. That's, yeah. Now that they've revealed it, I get it. You know, actually, I want to go back to first or second episode. You said it reminded you of the Voyager episode, uh, Equinox, 
I, I, that went right over my head at the time because I wasn't even yeah. thinking about that. And then when I rewatched that episode and specifically the conversation between uh, Stemets and his friend on the other ship, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, the, the benefits of not growing your own. Yeah. And I immediately thought, oh, they're, I get it. They're harvesting it from something. something. But that wasn't addressed in this episode. No, the, the harvesting part? The advantage. I feel like the advantage was this creature. We're going to learn eventually that this creature is quite... Um, not only does it love to eat the spores, but it's able to communicate with the spores. So maybe it's not actually eating them. <laughs> There's just some kind of energy transfer between them, as we discover. Is it the navigator from Dune? Oh, that's what it is. You know, I read somewhere that in some of the original technical drawings for the Enterprise D, that the navigators were originally going to be these like whale-like creatures that lived in part of the disc, and it just never made it into an episode. <laughs> so actually, it is still stuck. Star Trekky, but that's obviously a Dune ripoff, also. Yeah, <laughs> they've got spice. They're growing they have, spice. Oh man. Okay. Uh, so did I ruin an, it? We have an Equinox <laughs> parallel and a Dune parallel. Right. They're taking interesting elements from other sci-fi that I like, and I'm okay with that. We're we're actually briefly on the conversation between uh, Captain Lurka and Michael, and he just tells her like, "Hey, I want you to take this thing apart, find out how it works, and how it stops phasers." Which, right. uh, honestly, I don't think. That, Yes, this is ethically dubious, but at the same time, whenever they encounter some thing in Star Trek that, like, breaks all the laws of physics, and then at the end of the episode, they're like, well, that was interesting, and they kind of just move on. I like that they actually were like, oh, this thing seems to be able to eat ships and stop phasers. Maybe we should study it. It actually reminded me more of uh, Starship Troopers, though, where they kept <laughs> stealing the bugs and then jabbing probes into their brains. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like the captain was kind of saying jab a probe into its brain, which I, I didn't feel great about, but it... It seemed like Michael took it as, okay, we are just going to learn from this creature. We're not going to murder it. We're not going to do anything bad to it. Um, I'll do my job. I'm a Starfleet officer. So we're not going outside any moral boundaries here. You know, this is some of the Star Trek-y stuff that I like, is that, you know, her concept of it is it's not a monster, it's an alien. And it's doing its alien thing, and we don't know what that is, but that doesn't mean it's inherently aggressive. And even the word aggressive is a, a judgment. She said, it is what it is. It may be yeah. aggressive to us, but to something 8 billion times its size, it's not, you know? It's right. A, it's <laughs> a little micro-creature that got big somehow. Right. I don't so know. So he pretty much tells her, hey, make a weapon out of this thing. Or defense. He was interested in its hide, That's true. too. That's yes. true. Uh, this is actually the point where we cut back to some Klingon plot development. Oh, the Klingons. Yes. Yes, the we... Klingons are still doing their drama. I. Okay, this confused me a little bit. They show the ship. And it's back together. It's in a debris field, though. Right. But the, the ship has been pieced back together, the Klingon ship, uh, with some purple stuff. The purple stuff? Yeah. What is the purple stuff? I don't know. But they stuck the head back on with this purple stuff. Oh, I didn't notice that. It, That's right. creepy. It was, <laughs> it was a little weird. I'm not, I'm not sure what... But apparently they have been there for six months. Yeah, we learned that. Uh, he was doing some drawing, some 3D drawing, which looked really cool. They didn't need any VR goggles or anything, yep. so yep. I like that future tech. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so Albino, he, he's running the crew on the Klingon ship. They're running out of food. Apparently. They're very religious at this point. They're worshipping yep. Takavma. Um, but they need some parts. They do. Uh, it seems the warp drive's not working. Mm-hmm. The dilithium processor uh, is out of commission, and they need a new one. And they've determined that there are none available in the debris field, uh, except on the Shenzhou. They were looking for birds of prey, yeah, but right. couldn't find anything but the Shenzhou sitting mm-hmm. out there, which somehow its warp reactor stayed intact. Yeah, that uh, whole thing. abandoning that without initiating self-destruct seems like a bad idea. 
he's got an idea from his new friend and his friend suggests that, well, swallow your pride, go get that Starfleet hardware and let's get the heck out of here because we still have a nice ship. It just needs to get the heck out of here. Exactly. So let's, let's do this plan. So we cut back to Discovery mm-hmm. and Michael is in the lab uh, doing science. So she's doing her science, and this is where she's discovering this is just a creature. I don't think it's necessarily hostile. It's just been hostile towards us because something. We don't even know why. Well, we shot at it with phasers and yeah, that some other help. stuff. Yeah. yeah, Klingons tried to hit it with bat lens. Mm-hmm. So uh, Commander Landry, the security chief, comes in. She lectures us how on the captain is more interested in results than personal issues and things like that. Right. <laughs> Cap- captain wants progress on this, and he wants it to be a weapon and we should take it apart and find out how it works um so she comes up with the brilliant plan of uh knocking it out even though they know nothing about its physiology guessing it how not how to knock guessing it out how to knock it out yeah <laughs> and then deactivating the force field guns drawn but still not remembering what happened on that ship. Yeah, after lots of evidence that <laughs> phasers don't... This is only, don't... like, the next day. Did she forget how right. terrible that was? Maybe she thought she just missed last time. <laughs> Stormtrooper aim. Oh, God. <laughs> Redshirt aim. <laughs> yeah. The bat left didn't work, and the bat left is in the room of the, the universe's worst weapons. Yep. So what does she think so, she's going to do? So Michael thinks this is a bad idea. Honestly, like, at, at this point, I started to question a couple of things. I mean, this is ridiculously dangerous. The yeah. security chief, she must have gotten a real yelling at by the captain. Because I don't know why she just went off the handle. She's really held it together up to this point. She seemed cool, calm, collected. And now she's just said, guns blaze and, and let's, also, let's figure this out. Also seemed like possibly a, a long-term major character. Um, there's also the, the one sort of unexplored line at the end of the last episode um, where she tells the captain, like, oh, anything, anytime, or something like that. We like, thought there might be a relationship between her and the captain. Yeah, and we might still find out that there was. Yeah, he was pretty cold at the funeral. Uh, spoilers, she actually dies. Yeah. And yep. I'm, I'm not used to people dying in Star Trek here. She <laughs> should have been resurrected by the end of this episode right. due to a quantum anomaly. Sure. But that or maybe didn't that was, happen. Maybe that was her clone, oh, you know, or yeah, a transporter. Her, Reflection. Data was pulling a practical joke. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I don't but, know. Uh, no, she actually gets uh, picked up by the head and thrown across the room, oh, which is by pretty, the head? pretty final. Yeah. Uh, Michael, thinking fast like usual, uh, turns the lights to full, mm-hmm. and the creature retreats back to its uh, dark cell. Yeah, she discovered it lights the dark, yeah. or it hates people, one or the other. <laughs> but it's, it seems the dark, the dark theory has won out. Likes the dark, doesn't like the light. Yeah. Um, so this is sad. Uh, we go to the medical bay. She did a very quick transport, quick thinking, Michael. That was kind of cool. They do another site-to-site transport. I'm loving it. Yep. I'm really loving to it. To the medical bay. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think actually that, we don't see her for a little bit after that. Because um, then we get the call about the dilithium mining station being under attack. Yeah. If you get 40% of your vital wartime <laughs> resource from, like, one place... I would think you'd, I don't know, put some ships there? Yeah, I was a little struck by that, too. They were the closest ship, and they weren't even close. They had to use their magic drive to get there. And so, yeah, that was not (coughs) Starfleet at its best here. 
Uh, it seem, I, seems poorly planned. I think the running joke that Starfleet has the worst security <laughs> is just holding up. So this is we're just trying to stick with classic <laughs> Trek here. They may act like a military organization, but they are terrible. I mean, I suppose that's kind of a, a decent headcanon explanation for it. Is at heart they are still an exploratory organization. Yeah. They try to fight wars, yeah. but they're not very good at it. The captain was even complaining about that. He says, "I have a ship full of scientists because this is a research ship, right. but they're stuck in the middle of a war." Right, which kind of explains the um, the battle simulator scene. Oh, yeah. He's trying to get this science crew up to speed on yeah. combat. They're not very good at it. Even though he's got some veterans on that bridge, so they, they should mm-hmm. do a so little we, better. Uh, we have a, a discussion in engineering um, between the, the captain and uh, the scientist. I've been really endeared to the astromycologist. He I, was funny. Uh, he yep. was wry. He spit back at the captain. Mm-hmm. The captain spit back at him. I thought they had great interactions, honestly. I hope they fight for the rest of the show. <laughs> I think that seems likely. But the issue here is jump range. Yeah. Uh, the captain is pretty sure they can make it because the other ship did. Yeah, he says, uh, we've done little jumps. Well, this is what he's told Starfleet in the hologram call. Uh, we've been doing little jumps. Everything's been going great. We're ready. Deploy us. Quick cut to engineering. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> Classic Scotty. I love this. I know he's not the chief engineer, but he's totally acting like it. Yep. Can't, can't do that without getting turned inside out and eaten by a tardigrade. <laughs> Be like hitting a bullet. Another to, bullet. Yes. While in a wormhole. Drinking a Coke. Sure. I don't know. Um, so they, but he starts working on it. He goes, you know, okay. He kind of has an idea of how the other ship did it. And he, he gets to work on... Plus, they stole a bunch of hardware. They're like, yeah. oh, we got all these gadgets. Exactly. One of them must do something. We don't know plug, what they do. We learned how to give them power, though. <laughs> plug them all in and turn them on and see what happens. Yeah, and they kind of work, but not quite, as he's figuring out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they try to jump. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Though he says it's probably a bad idea. Uh, they go to black alert. Yes. And the saucer section rings start spinning. I was not prepared for this. Not even a little. Not even a little. In all our discussions of what do we think of the new design, neither of us ever postulated that these discs are going to spin. And oh, howdy, did they spin? And I liked it. Did you? I liked it. You know what? It's like like Voyager going to warp on crack. Starfleet does like the dramatic warp where you bring up the nacelles or something like uh-huh. that. Yeah, this one is thing. This is a super dramatic means of transportation. I really, I kind of like it. It looked like a fair ride a little <laughs> bit to me. I was like, oh, that must be really nauseating. <laughs> I, but gravity plating and it's um, Star Trek. It's inertial fine. dampers. Exactly. So no one even feels it. It seems to be a critical mm-hmm. part of activ- activating the spores. So maybe you got to get a little nauseated before having a little bit of spores. <laughs> I think, um, you know, and this makes black alert make sense. Because if you hear black, black alert, <laughs> no, if you hear black alert, it means like, you know, don't try to get to the mess hall. It's spinning the opposite direction at 100 miles an hour. Oh, right? stay put. Like you actually yeah, need to, you actually need to know when the ship mm-hmm. is going to start doing its crazy transformer thing. Yeah. And it, it's in this episode where we learned the Discovery was actually designed for this experiment. Yep. So this isn't a new uh, Starfleet design. This is just for the spore ships. Yes. Uh, and it turns out uh, Wash 2's arrogance <laughs> is somewhat justified because they did build the entire ship around his work. Yeah. Military project. 
So the dilithium's being attacked, and we need to go defend it. Mm-hmm. So oh. we make a jump. Uh, he says go, and they jump into a sun. I loved it. I, like I said, all the scenes that are pure CGI look uh-huh. gorgeous, and that ship looks great trying not to burn up in the sun. I feel like they did this scene just so they could do that really gorgeous overhead shot mm. of the silhouette mm. of the ship against the sun. That silhouette is good. It wow. Is. I have to yeah. admit, it was pretty good. There's a cute line in this where it says, like, impact in 10 minutes, and the captain says, impact is not an option. <laughs> a very action-y, cliche line, but, man, he said it well. Oh, uh, the actor. He's good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I only caught part of that, but that was a good line. Yeah, he he read it well. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe it. uh, They escape the sun without too much... I mean, there's a little... It's Starfleet. They can handle a sun. There's a little drama, but they they can go faster than light. And then we go back to studying the tardigrade. Yeah, we've decided um, we're not going to assign anyone to Michael anymore because they died. Well, we did notice when we went to Black Alert that the creature reacted and we saw the brain scan light up. Right. But we don't know what to make of it just yet, but it's got Michael very interested. So Michael's pretty sure it's it's involved somehow with the uh, the spore drive. Wow. Now we go to the med bay. Yes. And now we meet the doctor. Uh, apparently this is uh, uh, Stemmet's boyfriend. I thought his boyfriend was on the other ship, so that's why I was a little bit confused. But no, you think it's the doctor? I mean, that, that's what I've Why do read. we both assume he has a boyfriend? Because the, they announced it like six months before the show. Oh, started. I see. So we're all looking for a boyfriend. Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, and also, like, there's pictures of them. To, oh, to the guy okay. that plays the boyfriend posted on Twitter about it. Gotcha. Stuff. Well, I like the doctor. Um, I I was actually paying a really close attention to his lines because I was curious what his personality was going to be. <laughs> and he's basically, I'm the detached, cold, professional doctor here. And a little, little snarky. Snarky. Yeah, but that's all doctors. I, that's true. I said that when I said doctor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Condescending, patronizing. <laughs> I love you, doctors. <laughs> so I, it, he, he was nice. He only got that one scene, though. Yes. Hopefully he'll show yes. up more. This is where the line from the trailer comes from, where he says, uh, Discovery is a warship because his chief of security got killed and he's ready to go. Yeah, he hasn't done well. They failed the battle simulation. His chief of security is Mm -hmm. dead, and they landed in a sun. But what the heck? And the uh, dilithium mine is still under attack, and things are not going well there. And so he pipes the audio uh, from that to the whole ship. You know, I'm still iffy on this (laughs) captain. And him piping people's cries of mercy throughout the entire ship... I guess it gives you the reaction you want, but that's a cheap trick to play on your crew. Okay, let's let's get these Klingons out of the way. Let's just finish this plot line. Our old enemy, who did not want to join the coalition in the beginning, shows up and he wants the cloaking technology and the albino welcomes him in because he's all about unifying all Klingons together, so he's very welcoming. But he's betrayed. Any thoughts? Uh, I was going to talk about his spacesuit. Okay, let's just talk about his spacesuit. <laughs> we get some cool shots of the uh, the Shenzo Bridge. Destroyed. Basically destroyed. Uh, and, and he walks through it in a cool spacesuit. He repressurizes the captain's office with a nifty little uh, pressurizer gadget. With a green light on it so they can do dramatic green lighting Ooh. justified in each scene afterward. Klingons need to be lit in either red or green. I think that's... They look most intimidating uh, that way. That's true. When they were wearing that's the true. cotton gowns, it wasn't so intimidating mm-hmm. anymore. I just, I thought it was cool that he hit the thing and the spacesuit, like, you know, folds. It, it's a transformer. I think it's a trick from the CGI world, having the helmet just magically fold up into your shoulders. But at the same time, it is the future, and I'll grant them that maybe it, someday we'll have that technology. It is, and it's a little unnecessary, and it's mostly done so they don't have to show him in a spacesuit for the whole scene. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But it also, I think, informs us that their spiky Klingon stuff is actually a spacesuit. Mm-hmm. That they don't actually wear it around all day. Unlike the Klingons we always saw in Next Generation, who are always wearing battle armor constantly right. in bed. Well, <laughs> on vacation, <laughs> playing golf, always in battle armor. In, in all fairness, in the original series, uh, Klingons were pretty much only distinguished by their outfit. It was Actually, costume. they had, like, silk shirts back then, didn't yeah, they? And they, they had the, the sash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they had beards, and yeah. I think they had a little bit of, like, eye makeup, but pretty much you could identify them by uniform. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we get some we get some Klingon character development. He's betrayed. Uh, turns out yeah. his crew betrayed him because they were hungry, and whoever shows up with food gets to be captain. It yes. turns out. Uh, so our Cole, old Cole Cole takes over the ship by providing squid. Yes. The easiest conquer ever. Yep. Didn't have to storm that castle for long. <laughs> <laughs> they were starving. Albino's new number two does a little double Ooh. double deception. She um, is his enforcer, mm-hmm. defender, and what was the third one? Protector? Mm, we'll have to look that one up. Yeah. Back yeah. to the video for uh, that one. But she does the classic trick of like, yes. oh, I have a better I have a better way to kill him than just shooting him. Mm-hmm. She saves his life mm-hmm. because Cole wants to just murder him. Yep. And she says, I have a ending better fit to this guy. Right. Which is, you know, the classic... Um, not gonna kill you. I'm gonna put you in a room by yourself, and that'll teach you. Yeah, Cole seems like an idiot. Uh, he's a <laughs> he jerk and an idiot. He, I, yeah. I'm thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when <laughs> whatever stupid head took over the sh- the, the ship of pirates. Uh, and Taserface. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Cole is Taserface <laughs> to okay. me. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but it turns out a part of her plan, though, yep. she informs him. She is a member of a secret awesome sect of Klingons who will give you awesome powers if you give up everything. See, I, okay, I missed like one line here. Okay. What did? What was the sect? The sect is it, it's her house. Her house is this house of mystery. Oh, okay. I think it's um she's gonna go train or he's gonna go train with Arya, become a faceless Klingon. Gotcha. And learn to be and awesome. He has to sacrifice everything. Because she wants him to win the war. Right. So somehow her family is going to teach him how to win the war. Subterfuge, most likely. Probably by killing a lot of people with batlets, I'm going to assume. That's a good way to win a war. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's worked for them in the past. <laughs> is that the Klingon plot? That's Did we the, do it? That's the, we can, okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? I guess the Klingon plot never actually interacts with the main plot. <laughs> so, so we really can just kind of... You know, I hear up. in season six they'll actually get together into yeah. like the same scene. Yeah, uh, the albino and Michael will meet. <laughs> yeah. They'll team up or Parlay. fight to the death. I don't know. <laughs> it'll be interesting. Either way, it'll be interesting. Okay, if we're going back to Discovery, uh, Michael lures Saru into the lab with by being nice to him or something. Yeah, it was quite the lure because mm-hmm. yeah, he was surprised the entire time too. But his I, honestly, that was a little bit of a dick move on her part, like. She did apologize. That's true. <laughs> uh, but she brings him in near the creature, mm-hmm. and his um, his danger sense doesn't pop out. And I guess that's enough of a clue to her that this creature is absolutely fine. She postulates the theory that this creature is actually quite chill, and it's us humans that are just freaking it out. Uh, she has a lot of faith in his ganglia. <laughs> she does. Well, it, it was the third piece of evidence in her little puzzle oh, of deciding. Evidence. It's true. She's it's all true. true. We're gonna keep um, saying it. So, so Saru kind of uh, 
gives her some grief for doing this, and he takes off. Um, he's smart, <laughs> and he's constantly calling her on her BS, so it, it's a good interaction. That's true. That's it's true. better than when she had the power over him. He was very docile. Now I like him in a little bit of That's authority. Good. That's a good point. It was kind of interesting to see. Um, yeah, because she did say she you know dismissed his ideas and didn't listen. It was to a part of the stuff. apology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he leaves, and uh, Tilly comes in. Tilly helps her out by stealing some spores. Yeah, that's what she did, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah. bringing him to the lab. Uh, so Michael takes the, the jar of spore and goes over to feed it to the creature. She deactivates the force field. She allows the creature to come out, and it is happy. Yep. Which, this is kind of a trope, right? Of like, you know, you have the big scary thing, and then like someone tries feeding it uh, free willy. It's a trope, but I didn't see it coming when they introduced no, the creature. not even a little bit. I thought it was just going to be the monster of the week. Exactly. But I was no, surprised. it's becoming like a main character now. <laughs> I was surprised they kept it. Yes. I'm happy it's becoming a main character. <laughs> yes. Did it lick her? I think it licked her. Okay. I, as far as I could tell, it put its little... It was kind of dark. ...greasy but, snout yeah, on her I shoulder. I thought it licked her, Yeah. Which is, okay. I, I hope it and Michael team up and fight Klingons. Maybe she could ride it into battle. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Maybe they'll get the Universal <laughs> Translator to work on it. But it was very it was very freewheeling. It was very Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, apparently, he's a supercomputer. Yeah. Uh, they make a lot of jumping conclusions here, but the, the, the clock is ticking, and we're going to decide a few things. Its brain lit up while the spores were active. It likes to mm-hmm. eat spores. Mm-hmm. They know that there was a missing piece to the puzzle of how the other ship functioned. She she also put it into a field of mushrooms and wow it was happy in a field of mushrooms yes it was <laughs> and that was enough proof to wash that maybe this maybe yeah, this pig yeah. can fly which i like i liked his line there <laughs> what was it? i wish i could talk to my mushrooms i wish i could or, talk to my mushrooms. i always wanted to talk to my mushrooms that was pretty great <laughs> there were i think a lot of mushroom jokes in this episode but they were they were welcome star trek needs a little sense of humor yes yes, yes. um so i enjoyed that uh they take it down to the lab uh, plug it into the thing, which it seems ambivalent about and maybe a little unhappy. I'm going to go with completely unhappy about <laughs> At first, they put it in the, the box, and it seemed okay about that. Then they yeah. fed it a bunch of spores, and it seemed, okay, I'm okay happy about, about this. Yeah, yeah. And then they wrapped it in a giant machine that dug its arms into its chest. So I'm going to say it was not happy about I, that. I'm curious what that has to do with the navigational process, but... Um, well, the hey, spice whatever. flew, and the, the ship spun on its axis, the world warped, and then it fell from the top of the frame onto the planet. Yes. Uh, and this was awesome. I, I really like this scene. It was very cool. Uh, it, it pops in. It blows up some Klingons. Yeah. Uh, there are a bunch of miners on the ground who actually have, honest to God, like 18th century miner hard hats. Yeah, I guess they haven't quite figured out robots or slave hollow, hollow I, services. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call them? Hollow servants. <laughs> yep. And, and aren't these guys all... I guess they're not all uh, convicts, just some of them. No, I didn't think it was any convicts. I thought these were just people that felt like mining for the rest of their lives. That's what brought them fulfillment. Well, I want to mention one thing, actually. Just before they jumped in, this endeared me to the captain a little bit. He was a little fidgety. He had a little look over his crew. No, I don't want to say he was fidgety, but he was, like, making sure the crew was ready before he actually gave the jump command. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, like, looking them over, thinking about it, thinking about it, and he's, go. And I just, I like that moment. 
It was very personal. And then he does something even <laughs> weirder once they jumped in. Ugh. He says, let's just hold position here for a bit. I did not understand this. The strategy is stupid. <laughs> okay, the strategy is stupid, but the shot was gorgeous. The ship hanging in the atmosphere of this planet as a bunch of uh, Klingon birds of prey shot around it. Right. It so I awesome. guess their plan was to wait until their shields gave out, drop some what I assume are modified photon torpedoes or something, blink out, mm. and then whatever they left blew up so hard it killed all of the Klingons, mm-hmm. but everyone on the surface was fine. Yeah, I think that's basically what happened. Now, while it was happening, I kept trying to guess <laughs> guess ahead, and I thought that maybe it would catch a few birds of prey like in its new warp field kind of thing, and that would destroy them, but they didn't show that, I so I don't liked think that, that happened. I would have liked that better. Yeah, that makes I more thought sense that's what the setup was going to be, but I, no, they just dropped a bunch of torpedoes. You know what I thought they were going to do? Hmm. I feel really dumb about this. <laughs> I thought they were going to like jump out and the like two Klingon ships would just run into each other. Oh, classic Doctor right. Who. That's how you defeat the Darlings. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. was thinking, I was thinking Nightcrawler. I was but. thinking that also and praying to God that it wouldn't happen and it didn't happen. So <laughs> that I was happy. That would have been really dumb. I'm glad that didn't happen too. Instead, we got the crazy ship spinning effect again yep. and it dropped out of the top of the frame again mm-hmm. into empty space. Yes. And the whole crew is like, we didn't die. <laughs> we have a shot of some celebrating miners, uh, and someone says, who saved us? Oh. And they said, we don't know. It was that awesome captain, yep. that fearless captain. It was captain. that mysterious, who was that masked ship? I wonder if they got to see the spinning discs, because it mm-hmm. felt like the discs were spinning the whole time while the shields were taking the impacts. It oh. must have been quite the dramatic scene. I yeah. mean, the yeah. kids were probably more scared for their lives, but if mm-hmm. they had the chance to look up, it would have been gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> that that line, I don't know about that line. Like, I, I get that it was a little mysterious. It's a little, uh, it's a little Batman. But I, another thing is that they, they weren't just like, hey, there's Klingons. They're like, we need to be evacuated. Like, they've pretty much they've blown up the shields. They've blown up the mines. They blew up like half the colony. Uh, there's a bunch of debris raining down from the sky on like the seven remaining miners there. Yeah. They could have stayed in like I don't know. Offer some relief, medical attention, or Beam something. Beam down some power sources. Like I, I guess. Food. Yeah, I guess the discovery is Blankets, super, super hot top chocolate. secret. It's a very secret ship. They wanted to secret it away, but they could have just like dropped some cargo, maybe, or I don't know. I wonder if uh, they knew that Starfleet would be there in another five or ten hours, and they just had to buy those five hours, and people could go without food. It's for true. They had. More. Uh, they were eighty hours away. If someone were analyzing this, and they didn't want the discoveries of uh, spore drive to be discovered. It basically would look like there was just a giant explosion in the atmosphere. Whatever ship showed up and saved them blew up and took the Klingons with it. Yeah, this could have been the captain creating a very good cover story. Right. They yeah. saw they saw a Starfleet ship appear. Mm-hmm. It killed some took Klingons. Took a lot of damage. It took a lot of damage <laughs> and, and then, then blew apparently up. blew up. Really risking it, though, because he just gave an argument saying this is the only ship left with this drive on it, and we yeah. really shouldn't be risking it, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, after this, I guess we, we get some shots of uh, the tardigrade, and Michael was pretty sure it was unhappy uh, about acting as a supercomputer. Yeah, I mean, it was crying in agony, basically, and yep. then she offered it some new spores, and it didn't even yeah. want to eat. The poor kitty Aww. was sad. Oh, yeah. Sad. I gotta jump out of the story for one moment and uh-huh. uh, note that on the monitors in that room was again the silhouette of the ship, and in it the saucer section pieces were spinning. Ooh, yeah, nice spinning detail. on the display. Attention to detail. <laughs> I like 
I like the UIs in this. Yes. They have a lot of cool little... The art team is doing a good job. Yeah. Well, it's that, you know, there's always been the thing about you can pause and see the what's on the screen that they only show for a second. And mm-hmm. I think in, in the HD era and even yeah. like way to an even greater degree in the 4K mm-hmm. era... Um, Zoom in and enhance. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to zoom, you just pause, you know? So this stuff really, it needs to say something that makes sense. Yeah. And so they, they do a good job with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so something I was wondering about is, you know, part of that initial conversation about how the uh, the Glen was making jumps is uh, the benefits of not growing your own spores. We still haven't seen, like, why that's the case. It's not like they were harvesting spores from the tardigrade. Right. I guess. <laughs> they weren't growing their own. And I guess the yeah. advantage is you don't have to keep a fungal forest alive. Right. But I, I, I felt like that implied something. Like they were getting them from somewhere else. Yeah, uh, yeah. They keep showing us a wall of spores. So we know there is a finite uh-huh. amount. Yeah, yeah. They got the pods. Yeah. Spore pods. Uh, we have a little Tilly moment back in their quarters. Uh, Michael received a package. Uh, and yes. it turned out to be not the last will and testament, but something along those lines. A final message yeah. she, from the she captain. She inherited something. She got from... something from the captain. And Tilly was there. Tilly went and picked it up for her, being a good roommate, yep. and was all excited to see what was in the box. And then they both realized quite quickly what it was, and they yeah. both shut up and didn't talk about Stuffed it anymore. It the bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a great scene to start yep. with. But now we get the uh, end to that scene. We get some some heartwarming uh, character building from Tilly. Michael decides to finally open the box. I don't know. Tilly kind of made up a story there. I don't know. If it was heartwarming. <laughs> She's like, my mom was. No, that's a lie. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> you should just open the box because come on you're yeah, awesome yeah. open the box we all want to know what's in the box <laughs> yeah so she gets a heartfelt message from the captain yep the captain's like you were like a daughter to me we get, we, get a, we get a heartfelt <laughs> and very very on the nose message from the captain because this is obviously i guess prior to the betrayal i was waiting for her to be like until you Vulcan neck pinched me, nerve pinched me, but that's true. She starts, we didn't get that. she starts off by saying, "I bet you're a captain now, and I'm so proud of you." Yeah. So this is like time number three or four in this episode where Michael has just gotten like, oof, oof, yeah. yeah. And the gift is uh, the telescope. It was in the first two. Uh, it was in the captain's office, and it was, it was what they used office. to look at the beacon of Kales when right. they couldn't get a read on with the sensors. The sensors couldn't see it, but yep. <laughs> somehow this telescope could because yep. it was visual great yeah that was a great callback so somehow that made it off the ship uh so was <laughs> well you during know, <laughs> during the last five minutes someone grabbed were, a very heavy awkward when telescope. They were evacuating the ship someone went okay let me read the captain's last will and testament okay it says the telescope we got to put that in a box and these books go to go to her aunt so it was a very nice box it had like a plaque in it and a little metal and like a certificate of it, yeah, authenticity yeah, it was like, like Starfleet telescope model but one. But the telescope did look a little damaged, so I think it really was, you know. Like, did they go back the to the ship? I don't know. I, I'm really. Curious. I don't think we're supposed to ask this question. <laughs> and yet, it must be asked. <laughs> Either way, it's a very moving scene because uh-huh. now she can look out what's ahead of her, even though we really don't know what's out ahead of her. The show has continued to surprise me. Uh, one of the things it does that I like is uh, a little bit Westworld style of it creates these things that you think are going to be like a mystery or a secret, and then they just immediately develop that part of the plot and move on. Like um, yeah, the like secret the tar- room, tardigrade, the- secret room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They keep they keep a good um, Star Trek plot going. 
well having other other threads that are you know long arc yeah it's more deep space nine we're in like the fifth or sixth season of deep space nine because all these battles are happening and people are distracted their friends are dying so there's a lot of that going on but I, I do hope it'll become a little more episodic because I do like Monster of the Week and things like that, and and we'll, we'll get that. But I the story is moving fast. I wouldn't mind having like a a single reset button episode. <laughs> a time loop? You want a time loop? Time loop would be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, Cause and Effect is quite possibly one of my favorite Next uh-huh. Generation episodes, so uh-huh. they can they can go ahead and remake that one. <laughs> I just have to call out one last thing in the name of precision and set design. Mm-hmm. I was very happy to see that the turbo lists actually indicate what floor they're or what deck they're on really? on the exterior panel, so you can finally tell when the stupid turbo lift is gonna show on, up on the exterior panel. On the exterior, is while it, you're waiting for. Is it a computer display or a sign? It's a digital display, okay, just okay. at the normal hand position. So, so that's not a, a major continuity issue then, because they can just like fix that in, in post. post. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they can. Because uh, maybe cause it's on the set. I, I would not want to be like the continuity manager in charge of being like, <laughs> okay, guys, what deck are what, we on in yeah, this scene? Yeah, they went up or they went down. <laughs> uh, but they also commanded that the turbo lift go direct. Yes. Which also I'm imagining, answered the I'm question. imagining a bunch of a bunch of lower ranked people on other decks being like, God, where's the turbo lift? <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. But I really enjoyed this episode. Lots of action. Lots mm-hmm. of fun character moments. Uh, I'm sorry to have lost our security uh, officer, but I look forward to next week. But our new security officer is uh, Ripper the Tardigrid. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wearing a cute we, hat. <laughs> we, lose, we lose one cast member, we add another, and his awesome six-legged uniform. <laughs> Which way does he wear his pants? Like this or like that? Uh, on that note. Uh, on that note. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. I mean, go. <laughs> go. <laughs>